If I asked about your immersion into Christ, I'm sure you would be able to tell me who studied with you, where you were baptized, and who baptized you. Approximate age, who was at your baptism, and the understanding you had before and the feelings thereafter. It's a significant event in your life, to be sure. In the first century at Pentecost, 3,000 people were immersed into Christ for the forgiveness of their sins. I would hope that the Holy Spirit's evidence and the apostles' words would also be easily remembered by them. Today's sermon is called Lessons from Hebrews, Focused Life. Three points are confidence, endurance, and faith. The first point is confidence. How easily can your confidence in Christ be shaken? You might be thinking, not me, no chance. Well, I applaud your conviction. But this is a question that comes from God, not from me. Therefore, do not throw away your confidence, which has a great reward, Hebrews 10.35. Paul says in 1 Corinthians, Therefore let anyone who thinks that he stands take heed lest he falls. I remember my time playing baseball. Overall, I think I played well, but there were times that I lost my confidence. If you've ever been hit by a ball uh, while in the batter's box from a wild pitch, or had remarkably close calls with that ball coming towards your face, that experience can cause fear and lead you to struggle in that batter's box in your confidence. That struggle to stand correctly and forcefully in that box, ready to do what you need to do. Confidence shatters when you lose your confidence. And it becomes a real struggle to get it back, whether it be sports or, I think, anything. Have you ever gone through disappointment or challenging struggles as a Christian? Has your faith in Christ ever wavered your confidence? Have you ever been the weak one and needed strengthened? Have you ever been overwhelmed with concern for your your family. The early Christians showed confidence in Christ early on, especially right after Pentecost. Boy, did they have confidence, especially as they went through a great deal of suffering, as we know that came from the later to be the Apostle Paul. Yet some of those same Christians may be struggling with their confidence years later, as we talked about in our men's class. People do have ups and downs, don't we? in our life. And as Justin pointed out, the need for commitment is there, but our confidence in Christ sometimes might waver for many of us. Yet some of these same Christians need to hear these words. Therefore, do not throw away your confidence, which has a great reward. Confidence comes by what Christ did. We have to remember that. And subsequently, our decision to follow him. 
but primarily by what Christ did. But confidence in the Hebrew letter can also be understood as boldness, as a, a slave who is now made free, a freeman who can speak in public and be heard. We can now come before the Father. Because of the boldness, confidence we have from what Christ did on the cross and his role as our high priest of the new covenant. Our confidence is not based on human efforts, but Christ alone. Listen to these passages. But Christ is faithful over God's house as a son. And we are his house if indeed we hold fast our confidence and our boasting in our hope. And that hope would be hope in Christ. Romans 5.2 says this. That was Hebrews 3.6. Romans 5.2 says, Through him we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Hebrews 4.16 says, Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace in help in time of need. Hebrews 10, 19. Since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus. That's where the confidence that we have comes from the blood of Christ and what he did. But we need to hold on to that confidence. The second point, endurance. Endurance is a theme that is found in Hebrews, specifically Hebrews 10 through 12. It is needed in difficult times. But recall the former days when... After you were enlightened, you endured a hard struggle with sufferings, sometimes being publicly exposed to reproach and affliction, and sometimes being partners with those so treated. For you had compassion on those in prison, and you joyfully accepted the plundering of your property since you know that you yourselves had a better possession and an abiding one. Enlightenment speaks of their initial choice to follow Christ. Going back to the time even when Saul and many others persecuted the church, it was not long after Pentecost when the, when the early church endured great struggle and suffered public reproach. And affliction. The King James Version uses, and you guys might know this as ranchers, uses the term, they were considered like gazing stock. Are you familiar with that term or can put it into context? Your gazing stock, you're, what you're looking at and judging, determining. But they chose to endure 
They chose to stand for Christ. It is new. It is right. It is what we have committed to. Endurance is something that these and other followers of Christ must continue in regardless of the circumstances, even of suffering and struggle. We must continue to endure. Sadly, getting hit with a spiritual ball can cause even the strongest Christians to flinch and shrink away from any future throw from that particular pitcher. This is what it looks like. You're backing away. You're moving away. If you move away far enough, you get called on it, getting out of the batter's box. We're to stay in there and endure and endure and endure. But we are not of those who shrink back. And that's a particular word, not just somebody who has a bad day, but it seems to be the concept of apostatize shrink away, to apostatize, to leave. We are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 39, first part of 39. We need endurance. We need to endure. If God said we have need of endurance, should you doubt him? Therefore, do not throw away your confidence which has a great reward, for you have need of endurance, so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what was promised. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 35 through 36. Our confidence in Christ brings great reward, not our endurance. What do I mean? Confidence comes in what Christ did, Endurance is what we need to continue in. We're not always going to be perfect, but we need to endure. Endurance to remain faithful and endurance to do the will of God. Endurance is our continued effort to follow Christ in difficult challenges and challenging times. People need endurance to do many things, sports, work, family, Pregnant women who endure pregnancy until delivery. You have to endure it because that's the process of things. But what happens when a person loses their confidence? They become tired, depressed, even short-sighted. They choose to quit. That's the idea of apostasy. In the fight, struggle is too much. They lose their sight on the ultimate reward. With confidence set on the blood of Christ, we endure the challenges of life. Since we are surrounded by so a great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin which close, clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured. See, he's not expecting us to do anything that he didn't do. Endured the cross, 
despised the shame, and is seated at the right hand of God, uh, the throne of God. Hebrews 12, 1 through 2. Aren't you glad that Jesus endured? Now he is at the right hand of the throne of God as our high priest of the new covenant. His blood is sprinkled for us in the sanctuary, the heaven. We have access to a relationship with God because of Christ and what he did in his blood. We have access. We have to have confidence in that. That's true and that's eternal. But we need to endure the difficult times while holding on to our confidence. Endurance means something. Listen to these passages. But we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that sufferings produce endurance. And endurance produces character. And character produces hope. May the, uh, Romans chapter 5, 3 through 4. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with, with one another in accord with Jesus, or Christ Jesus, Romans 15, verse 5. But as servants of God, we commend ourselves in any, every way by great endurance in afflictions, hardships, calamities, 2 Corinthians 6, 4. It's not all bad, though, is it? It's not all difficult, is it? But when it is, let's endure and remember with whom we should have confidence. The third point is faith. But we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who have faith and preserve their souls. Hebrews 10, 39. Faith or faithfulness the Hebrew writer stresses much about staying focused on the supremacy of Christ. If you want to look for your major theme in Hebrews, it's the supremacy of Christ, his high priesthood, who he is. Four specific exhortations the Hebrew writer brings out to keep people focused on a proper life. And this is a letter of exhortation, meaning pointing people in the right direction and when he says it, it doesn't always feel good. This is a letter that does that. Do not drift from God's word, Hebrews 2, 1 through 4. Do not disbelieve God's word, Hebrews chapter 3, 7 through chapter 4, 16. Do not have dullness towards God's word, Hebrews chapter 5, 11 through chapter 6, verse 20. And draw near to God, Hebrews chapter 10, 19 through the end of chapter 13. It's a letter of warning. They are being neglectful in their faith, or at least they're leaning that direction, and it's a cause for alarm. They are, uh, Hebrews chapter 2, verse 3. They are falling backwards in their faith, Hebrews chapter 5, verse 12. The gospel has not changed, so don't change it, Hebrews chapter 13, verses 7 through 9. It seems that those who shrink back are those who lose their faith and faithfulness in God. The hall of faith is something we probably all recognize as a term, Hebrews chapter 11. It's a list of various examples of faith and faithfulness. And one of the common threads found in these examples is endurance. 
And endurance comes with faced with following God in difficult times. I'll give you two examples. Did you know God created everything? Did you, do you know that? Do you know that God created everything? By faith or faithfulness, we understand that the universe, we understand that the universe was created by the word of God so that what is seen was not made of things that are visible. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 3. Have you ever been ridiculed because you believe God created everything? Has society ridiculed you? Has this certain systems ridiculed you? Has certain family members ridiculed you? Have you ever been put down because you spoke against evolution? Or do you just let it go by? Endurance is needed against those who disregard God creating the universe. There are about six different words for fool in Hebrew, in um, Psalms, Proverbs, I think. One is basically a fool who's just ignorant. They're just young. They're useful. They don't know any better. But the worst kind of fool is the fool that disregards that God exists. So we deal with different fools on a different basis. But the one who doesn't agree that God exists is not one that we should just say, you have your opinion and I have mine. Well, maybe we could say that. It's not one we should just, I believe that you believe what you say. No. Did God create the heavens and the earth or not? Yes. Well, affirm it and tell people. Live out your lives like God created the heavens and the earth. How about Abel? By faith, Abel offered to God a more accept acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended as righteous. God commending him by accepting his gifts. And through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. Hebrews 11, verse 4. He was killed because he chose to please God in righteousness. Was that just a momentary thing? We don't know a lot of the story, do we? He endured against the wickedness of his brother. Did Abel give in? <laughs> no. He died for his conviction to God, his faithfulness. He showed his faith by how he lived, his faithfulness. We need a focused life in Christ. Why? To endure the challenges that come our way. Just because you are strong at certain challenges, endurance is needed in all challenges. But if we lose our confidence in the blood of Christ, where will it lead us? To endurance or to apostasy? It has been said that many people who leave the church left long before their body has. 
What are they really leaving? What have they got doubt in? What is the real reason behind them walking out the doors and not coming back? Truly, they've lost confidence in Christ, in the blood of Christ. Let's choose to endure in such a way that leads to our reward. These all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on earth. For people who speak thus make it clear that they are, for people who speak, Thus must make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. If they had been thinking of that land from which they had gone out, they would have had the opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country. That is a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to, call, to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. Endure, stay confident in Christ because he has given you a reward that is a heavenly one. It's not of this world. Endure, stay focused, have faith, remain in confidence, boldness to, to speak to Christ through Christ and God to come before the throne of grace as a person who is free, a free man, not a slave. A freeman. So when you're at school and they speak of evolution, you're a freeman. Speak about Christ and his creation. If you are like Abel, stay focused on what God wants regardless of what your brother thinks who in turn killed him. The sermon today is called Lessons from Hebrews, a focused life. Confidence in Christ can be shaken. It can. Therefore, we need to be strong. We need to remember that our confidence should only be based on the blood of Christ not on our abilities to do anything. If we forget this truth, we will weaken in our confidence. So stay strong. Endurance is something we need because difficult times will come. And for some, they're very long in life, in our personal lives, difficult times. But to deal with those difficult times, we need to endure. And the last faith or faithfulness is living out our faith. We need faithfulness in Christ, one that does not shrink back and become destroyed, but one who stays in there ready, ready to tackle what's coming in their way. We need faithfulness in Christ so that our souls will be preserved and that we will receive that eternal reward. You may be thinking, 
uh, I'm barely holding on by a string. My endurance is about to peak out. Well, that's kind of why I said earlier, our, we need the primary thing is to remember who we should have confidence in because we struggle. We struggle. We need to endure, but our confidence should never be in us. It should always be in the blood of Christ we received at baptism that tells us if we stay focused on Christ the rest of our lives, our sins are covered. It will not be held against us. And we will, through this confidence, the hope we have in Christ, will receive our eternal reward. Because we are not a people that look at life here as what we truly want. We look for our life there. Do you have a focused life in Christ. Never Too Late to Start by Stacy Conrad. Think you're too old to start running or too out of shape? Look to Margaret Haggerty for inspiration. The 90-year-old marathon runner holds the Guinness record for oldest person to complete a marathon on each of the seven continents, which she achieved at the age of 81. Haggerty took up running when she was 64 to try to help her quit smoking. Though she believes that everyone should experience the Great Wall of China Marathon, her personal favorite is the grueling Arctic Marathon. For her to do endurance runs, she would have needed to put off many bad habits. Although admirable and worthy of praise, there is another race that we should seek to compete. Hebrews chapter 12, 1 through 2. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who, for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. The sermon is entitled, Lessons from Hebrews, The Race. The three points are Esau, kingdom, and Christ. Esau was a man depicted in Scripture as a worldly man. In essence, he did not truly respect the things of his spiritual nature, like his birthright. He gave up his birthright for a single meal. Thus Esau despised his birthright. Genesis 25, verse 34. The Hebrew writer uses his example as a warning for Christians. Christians have a need for an obedient faith in God and a need for endurance. We have a need to look to what is heavenly as opposed to what is earthly. Therefore, Esau is an example we should not follow. Now, if you are struggling with your faith and endurance, you need to pull yourself together. It can be hard to live for Christ in this world, so we must be determined to follow Christ. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted, Hebrews 12, verse 3. 
So if we are in a weak state, we need to be strengthened and quit certain beliefs that hinder our spiritual lives. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 12 and 13. Therefore, lift your drooping hands and strengthen your weak knees and make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame may not be put out of joint, but rather be healed. Do we have personal responsibility for our own spiritual lives? Absolutely. And when at strength, we need to help others. See to it is a wording in chapter 12, verse 15. It is an interesting word in the Greek language. It is something all of us should do for each other. Not only should we help ourselves, but we should also help others especially those who are leaning toward falling away, those who are weak, need, and weary. See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble, and by it many become defiled, chapter 12, verse 15. The same word translated as see to it is also used concerning elders, and it is translated as oversight. Shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 2. What are we to help people stop and or avoid? The root of bitterness and Esau. These are the two things that the Hebrew writer brings up. The root of bitterness in the context of the Old Testament deals with idol worship things that God does not sanction. Beware, lest there be among you a man or woman or clan or tribe whose heart has turned away from the Lord our God to go and serve the gods of those nations. Beware, lest there be among you a root bearing poisonous and bitter fruit. Deuteronomy 29:18. In Christ, what God does not permit, we should help Christians avoid. The way of Esau is another negative example. Chapter 12, verses 15 through 16. See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble, and by it many become defiled, that no one is sexually immoral or unholy like Esau, who sold his birthright for a single meal. The passage declares Esau as sexually immoral and unholy. But none of the scriptures show that he was physically sexually immoral. He did have three wives, but that was acceptable then. Two wives were Canaanites, and that didn't please his parents at all. But there is no indication that he was an adulterer or otherwise. So what is this passage referencing? There are many passages in Scripture referring to Israel as an adulterous people from a spiritual point of view. The book of Hosea brings this out strongly. So by Esau's known behavior, what did he focus on more? The spiritual or the earthly? The earthly. He cared little about his birthright, which ultimately, knowing and understanding the concept within the patriarchs, the birthright was something that came from God. He was a spiritual adulterer with God. He sold it for a measly meal. 
By way of analogy, following God through faith is a focus on the spiritual and God-sanctioned. Second point, kingdom. As you study Hebrews, you will notice a great dichotomy, a great contrast couched in phrases like earthly and heavenly. It is a discussion showing the superiority of Christ over the law of Moses, its earthly temple, animal sacrifices, and a priesthood that is based on physical descendancy. The law of Moses was given, but it wasn't designed as a permanent establishment. It was a copy a shadowy copy of what is real, what is permanent and heavenly. Heavenly things are only available through Christ. That which is under Christ is superior in function and form. It is called in Hebrews, the kingdom. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 28. Therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken and thus let us offer to God acceptable worship and reverence and awe for our God is a consuming fire. Anybody ever remember those commercials of the past, the shake and bake commercials? I still remember those shake and bake commercials uh, that came out. You put your meat in a bag and of course I didn't cook with them, but that's how I remember the commercials. You put your meat in the bag, add the spices and other ingredients to the bag, you shake it up thoroughly, and after baking, that exquisite meal just pops out for the family. So the Hebrew writer compares the old law given at Mount Sinai and what came through Christ. Listen to the shake and bake, as I call it, about the Mount Sinai. For you have not come to what may be touched, a blazing fire in darkness and gloom and tempest in the sound of a trumpet and a voice whose words made the hearers beg that no further message be spoken for, for they could not endure the order that was given. If even a beast touches the mountain, it shall be stoned. Indeed, so terrifying was the sight that Moses said, I tremble with fear. You can see this description if you look back at Exodus chapter 19 and 20. In this section of Hebrews, the Hebrew writer gives us a summary of the letter. That which was given under the law of Moses is no more. Don't go back to it. If you do, you are like Esau. You are like an idolater. Your faith is in question and in your weakness, you are in danger of falling away. Only the way of Christ is sanctioned. Hebrews chapter 12, 22 through 24. But you have cut once come into Mount Zion, the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and innumerable angels and festal gatherings, and to the assembly of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven, and to God, the judge of all, to the spirits of the righteous, and make perfect, and to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks of a better sacrifice than Abel. So now you notice, what is of an earthly setup was given at Mount Sinai. It was established with physical shaking, noise, tempest, darkness, and fire. Now Christ's kingdom is set up. What was has gone, lacking God's approval. Something new has come. It is not temporary, but permanent and heavenly. Chapter 12, 26. 
At that time, his voice shook the earth, but now he has promised, yes, once more I will shake not only the earth, but also the heavens. The phrase yet once more indicates the removal of things that are shaken. And in context, that's talking about Mount Sinai and the law to go with it. That is, things that have been made, things that are earthly, in order that the things that cannot be shaken may remain. And that's talking about the kingdom. What is now here is permanent. Christ, his heavenly kingdom, his church. And that leads us to the third point. Without a doubt, Christ is the best example of faith and faithfulness. Hebrews chapter 12, 1 through 2. Although Christ is the best example, he is not the only one. And you can look at Hebrews chapter 11 for that. It is because of Christ that those of old who had faith and faithfulness can receive the reward. And it is Christ through whom we also receive our reward if we endure in faith and faithfulness and not turn from the path he set before us. What are the qualities of a long distance race? Here's what Paul said. Do you not know that, a race, that in a race all runners run, but only one uh, receives the prize? So run that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. So I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating there, but I discipline my body is physical or is spiritual. I discipline my body and keep it under control, lest after preaching, spiritual, to others I myself should be disqualified. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, 24 through 27. So we shed our extra weight. Spiritually, we shed our fleshly life. We shed what is earthly and temporary. We shed those traditions that don't lead us towards God. We shed what can lead to a lack of faith in Christ. And we keep our eyes on Jesus. Do you see him? He's there. He's right there. Don't turn away. It is in him we should keep our confidence. His blood saves. But we need to keep our focus properly on him and run lawfully. You know you can cheat in a race? All right, evidently you can. An athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules, 2 Timothy 2.5. There are rules. There are expectations. But a reward is coming for those who keep their focus on Christ. Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial. For when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. James 1 verse 12. And Peter puts it this way. We receive a crown of glory. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. In summary, Esau looked at life from an earthly view. Through his example, we should learn to do the opposite. The kingdom, Christ's kingdom is permanent. Mount Sinai representing the old law is done and not sanctioned by God anymore. Christ though is our prime example of endurance. Faithfully following God even in suffering. One who finished the race and one we should emulate. 